Hello, my name is Philip Camella, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Collapse of Materialism, Philip Camella. Accomplishing goals is about getting from here to there. We have big goals, such as global scale goals, and we have personal goals. From a personal level, the goal may be to make more money, get a better job, lose weight, become more spiritually grounded, all sorts of things that each of us confront at many times throughout our lives. From a global level, we could talk about things like global warming, poverty, hunger, AIDS, homelessness, and even gigantic goals like making peace among the world's religions and nations for that matter. But in every instance, the question is the same. How do we get from here to there? And in many ways, once again, the task confronting us looks the same. We set a goal and we figure out how to get there. Now today's guest, Joe Patinos, has assembled years of studying various techniques to accomplish goals. And he's come up with what I think has to be the most practical method I've seen for connecting in real time where you are with where you want to go. So today we're going to have a show that has a lot of practical implications that I hope uh, the listeners take away something that they could all benefit from. Now Joel is also known as a spiritual businessman. He's a vice president at Penguin Group, which is the publisher of the Tarcher imprint and founder of the Putman Praise Publishing Program. Little, little, a little alliteration there. A co-founder of Sacred New York, Sacred Center New York. He is an ordained New Thought minister, motivational speaker, and seminar leader. He's been called the Napoleon Hill of his generation, which is a high compliment because uh, most of us know that Napoleon Hill is a leader in this field. Joe's new book is entitled My Life Contract, 90-Day Program for Prioritizing Goals, Staying on Track, Keeping Focused, and Getting Results. So hold on your seats. We're going to get some practical tips here about achieving goals. Joe, thanks a lot for joining us today. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Well, well, first of all, I'm glad that we got our time zones uh, situated. Today is uh, move back uh, the clock day, and it's hard to synchronize everything, but luckily we did put this together. Now, as I said at the top of the show, I really think your book, Life's Contract, is got to be the most down-to-earth practical guide I've seen on accomplishing goals, and we're going to get into some of the details. But first, what was your inspiration for writing My Life's My Life Contract? Well, um, thank you for saying that about the book. It, it really grew out of my own experience. I was at a certain point in my life a number of years ago where I didn't have a job that I loved. I was single, um, and I was nearly $60,000 in personal credit card debt with 23 active credit cards. And I felt like my life was kind of going nowhere fast. But I was beginning to study uh, the ideas that were contained in a number of books, including Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and some other books. And I'm one of those guys that says, let's just get to the bottom line here. You don't have to impress me with theory. Uh, just tell me what to do that works, and I'll do it. And so I kept trying to make things simpler and simpler and simpler. And I also wanted to do that not because I'm a simple man, but <laughs> because I, I know that if, although that might be debatable, but uh, <laughs> I know that if it's super simple, 
I'll actually do it. Yeah. If it's complicated, I probably won't. So I kept distilling everything I read into more and more simple, practical uh, steps. And as I began to see this work in my life, then I turned around and began teaching it. And um, it not only worked for me, I saw that it began working for all the students that were taking the classes and the workshops. And uh, so I've now been teaching this method for years and years and years. And it not only helped me, the, the process in, in my life contract, not only helped me to not, not just get out of debt, but become financially very prosperous, but also to find a, a spouse and have a, start a family, advance my career, and write a lot of books. Um, and so I, I like the idea that of taking all of these ideas and all these self-help books, I say in the book that I've read every self-help <laughs> book, so let me have done that for all of you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just distilled it to the, to the ideas underneath all of them, and, yeah. and just make that very simple. So that was my inspiration for the book, it was really out of my own experience, and um, as they say, desperation is a, is a great motivator. Yeah, I think that that is 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 really is really the case. And what I find a lot, uh, two things here. First of all, when you do reach the bottom or when you reach this moment of crisis, uh, there's something that goes on in in in, in our mind uh, where it says, you know, time to make a change. And at that point, uh, you know, there is this thing called inspiration that pops up and I also think it is so important for people to put this this stuff down in their own words to actually do it yourself and and I think that that was one thing that you know that I liked about your book and also the format of it which is that it requires the participant and the reader to get involved with actually developing a program uh, where you know you have not only this book is not only sort of a summary of key self-help principles it's got a it's got a new twist on the principles as well which we'll talk about but it's also a workbook which i think is very original because just giving a, a lot of tips to folks is nice but you but in order to really make it happen you've got to get involved and you've got to take action now in your experience, what what is the biggest problem that you've seen people have with developing these action plans or in accomplishing goals? What I've seen the most probably over the years is people who show up at the classes uh, or workshops and they say, I would do something if I only knew what to do. Yeah. And I think there's a, a real sense out there, and maybe some of the people listening can identify with it, which is that idea of either feeling stuck or feeling lost or feeling confused about what steps to take, because there is a lot of information out there. And I, I think that maybe a lot of people were like me, which is someone who um, would start something really enthusiastically and then after about a week or two, the enthusiasm would start to wane right? because the programs would be really complicated or they didn't have enough support. And uh, so I think that's what I see the most. You know, people will just say, just please help me give, make it really clear. Um, and also, uh, the other thing I see the most is people coming up saying, I, I really have no idea what I want to do in my life. So that's why a lot of the book is spent helping people hone into what their life direction or life purpose or even just the next step, the next few months or the next year would, would look like. Because I think a lot of people are very afraid of making the wrong move or making a wrong decision. Um, but instead, in, instead of making any decision, then they just kind of stay where they're at and, and start to feel very stagnant and stuck. Yeah, I, I think that that is, that is a really, um, I think, good observation because it's, it carries a couple points, I think. First of all, a, lo a lot of people, 
in my view, because I'm one of them, when you when you think when you think about goals, it's real. The goals that most of us really strive for for are right in front of us. And sometimes when you're asked the question, as if you got to come up with something real airy, real you know right. profound. And I thought that you know it's at the end of the book, but this concept of sitting for ideas, I think that's what it's called. Where yeah. yes, yes, sitting for ideas, uh, which which I'd like to have you talk about that a little bit before we get into your your methodology here. But but I think that that may be helpful in helping people get situated. Uh, it it also brings to mind um, one of my favorite sayings, which I think is attributable to um, some Chinese master, which is uh, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. You know, I love, I love that. I've always liked that. And, um, yeah. and that's, that's sort of what we're talking about here. But why don't you talk a little bit about sitting for ideas and this, con- and this notion uh, of, of goal setting? Well, sitting for ideas uh, originally was something that I read in Napoleon Hill's book, Thinking Grow Rich. It's kind of buried somewhere near the second half of the book. Um, and it's just a story that he tells in, in one of the chapters about this inventor who would um, patent all of these inventions. And they asked him how he did it. And he said he would sit in this room. And his, his method got a little complicated because there were all these lights that would go on and off or something like that. But yeah. essentially what he would do is he would sit in a room quietly, think about something specifically, an invention, and then the idea for the invention would come forward, and he would just write things down. And in fact, he would say he would come up with ideas um, for inventions that he didn't even have training for, mm. and then he would patent them and become rich. So as I read that, I just kept reading that part over and over, thinking there's something here for me. And I, again, I took it, the more complicated version, and made it very simple, and I use it now every day, and I call it Sitting for Ideas, just like in, in the book. But I made it really simple, and it's really just about three to five minutes where you sit down and you focus on a goal that you have or a larger question or a quality that you want, and then you just sit quietly, and whatever comes up, an action step, a thought to, ta- uh, a thought to um, hold for the day, you write it down, you have a pad and pencil next to you, and that's it. And all the actions that come up during this short period of time are things that I think that, you know, maybe the, that higher wisdom within us right. is directing us to do toward the thing that it is that we want. Yeah, yeah. And when, I, when, we, when we do follow those things through, it's amazing how, e- even if at the beginning we don't think that it, has anything to do with what we're looking for, how targeted it becomes, and how powerful that is. Yeah, I I like that because I've always thought that, for example, things like meditation and prayer can be redefined in my mind as a moment of honesty with yourself, or a moment of sincerity with yourself, and to me it might help the whole goal setting to have that quiet moment and just write something down without feeling as if you got to come up with something that somebody else expects you to achieve because at the end I I think as as we get into this you have to be committed you have to buy into this goal uh, achievement process because if your heart's not in it, it's just not going to work, I don't think. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Conversations and Religion. We are talking with Joe uh, Fatinos, the author of My Life Contract, and we're about to move into his program uh, on achieving your goals and staying focused. Okay, now, Joel, let's get into this a little bit because you have a new twist on on this goal setting process and it's focused on the life contract so what is the contract the life contract is basically when my my theory is this when when we decide on a goal and we make a decision to do it we in a sense are entering into a contract with life and when I say life I use a capital L for life other people can substitute other words 
whether it's the universe or God or, or, or whatever works for them. But I like the word life because life is something I want to be filled with more of. So we enter into this contract with life, meaning if I'm going to commit toward my thoughts, my beliefs, my intentions, my actions, moving toward a goal, when I do that, life seems to move with me. And so that is the contract that we create with life. And as with any contract, there are things that we are responsible for doing and, and things that life is responsible for doing. And that's what I, in, in the book, I try to explain our part of that and life's part of that. I don't know how specific you want to get into now, but um, it becomes very uh, clear and exciting when we know our part of the contract because then every day we can just focus on those specific things. Well, I think I think this is where things get a, a, a original with your approach, the life contract. And I, I think that, uh, like any other contracts, there are duties and responsibilities on both sides in yep. order to uh, fulfill the purpose of the contract, in order to perform the goal of the contract, such as a builder and a homeowner. The, you, both of them have responsibilities, one to pay the bill, one to build the building. But here, the contract is with life, so, so, which I think is original, and I like it because it, it, it relieves some stress. But let's yeah. first talk about the, uh, the what um, the obligations are, what the promises are of the individual, of us. What what are the key so, things that that uh, that we have to do in order to accomplish uh, our part of the bargain with life? Yes, um, our our responsibilities, our part of the contract. Uh, I I say that there are six main ones and. The first one is um, really to get clear about where you are now. And that sounds so deceivingly simple because people will say, well, I, you know, I, I, I'm in debt or I'm, uh, I'm single or, or my health is a certain way, whatever their issue is. But it really is about getting clear in a way where we're not exaggerating it worse than it is or better than it is we're really clear about uh, where we're starting from in almost an objective way, kind of taking a step back and saying, okay, this is what it looks like right now. When we do that, it's very powerful because um, we get a better sense of where we're starting from. But being clear where we are now helps us with the second part, which is getting clear about what we want. So for instance, when I was uh, in debt and I wanted to get out of debt, the first step for me was to find out exactly to the penny how much debt I was in. And when I was figuring that out, then that helped me figure out what my next step was, which is what do I want? And my goal then was to get out of debt. The third responsibility for us in our part of the life contract is then to make a decision and say, am I really going to do what it's going to take? As you said earlier, you said, you know, when that person is actually ready to make that change, am I really ready? Am I, am I going to commit to what it takes to achieve this? And if the answer is yes, then the fourth responsibility for us on our side of the contract is then we take action immediately. We don't wait until tomorrow. We don't wait until next week or till the first of the week or the first of the year or the first of the month. We start taking action that day, that very, very day, because there's energy in the moment. We've all had that experience where we think, oh, that's such a great idea, I'm going to do that, or maybe it's a diet. I'm going to start a diet tomorrow, and then tomorrow comes, and we don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. But I would take yeah. action immediately. Yeah, yeah. I want, I want to pause here for a second because this is yep. so important, and I just, uh, I just want to tell you that on my, on my notes that I'm looking at, my. I have the sentence here. I start my diet tomorrow, which is, which is, which is, of course, ironic. But that to me is is a, it's the classic. It's the classic. I'll start, and, and you know, and you could put whatever word you want in there. You know, I'll start exercising tomorrow. I'll start looking for a new job tomorrow. I'll start asking right. for a raise tomorrow. And 
I thought I'll that start writing my book. <laughs> I'll start writing my book tomorrow. Right. That is that's the classic. I mean, there's these are because if that is the message, well, tomorrow always comes, and so therefore, uh, it's a it's a perpetual excuse for for taking action when you think about it. The but the there's a couple things here that I also wrote down in your book that uh, I want to I want to emphasize and have you uh, elaborate on a little bit. One of them is energy follows action, which yeah. which I which I really like, and and the other one is energy for an action is in the present moment, and I like to have you talk about that because along the lines as you as you said earlier, Joel. You you have simplified a lot of these principles and made this very succinct, but I think in that concept, energy follows action, uh, is a lot of of meaning and a lot of power. So can you just talk a little bit about what that means and how that's related to taking action immediately? Yeah, sure. That was something that came to me um, because I was one of those people who would always say. I'm going to do such and such as soon as I feel like it or right. when it feels like the time is right. Right. And funny enough, it never felt like the time was right. right. And which meant that I kept my goal in the future. Right. It was always an ambiguous future idea rather than a present moment actuality. Yeah. And it did come to me and actually I think it came to me while I was sitting for ideas one day that those three words energy follows action and I really got it on such a deep level that when we take action it creates the energy that we were waiting for yeah so just by taking a simple action and it really doesn't need to be a huge action sometimes we think oh well we should take a you know we should begin it by working on the novel that we're going to write by six hours today. Right. No, just start with a page. Right. And when we do that, when we when we take that action, energy is actually created, and we also find ourselves actually in the present moment instead of um, trying to live in the future or reacting to our past. Yeah. So energy follows action is a great is a great formula to live by, especially if there's anything that you feel in your life that is not the way you want it, take action, and you're already beginning to move the energy so that um, all of that changes for you. Yeah, I, I think that, that there's so much truth to that. From my own, uh, one of my own examples is that I have a book out, The Collapse of Materialism, and I had uh, started it, I think, got in college, if I remember correctly, and I took a big hiatus when I went to college and law school. And then one day I was in a tavern, probably, and I had the idea to start writing. And I actually wrote on a napkin. And I think you put I think you put that in your book. I mean it was sort of like get it out now. And 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 from my perspective, what happens when you do that is that you become inspired by your own activity. And it, yeah. and it builds on itself. And that's, that's what's so cool about it. And I do think, and this is just me talking here, but I do think that if that action is aligned with your heart's desire, with what you really want to do, now you, now you start getting on a, on a roll. And, and I think that's why, that's why this is, is powerful, I think, is and it's related to that sitting for ideas. Um, the the moment of sincerity you would have with finding your your true life's purpose and then taking action to fulfill it. Uh, the other thing that that I, I want to mention here that comes to mind a lot of people and you probably have heard this but uh, it's sort of humorous which is people that say, well I'm going to start um, investing in a stock market when it's when it starts looking better when right. when it's when it start I mean that that to me I mean I have a friend I have friends who have said that and I. I just don't know what to say uh, to that. I mean, it's sort of like, well, uh, so therefore it has to go up by, what, 100 points, and then you're going to invest, or is it 150, right. or is it 13.2? Um, but it's the, same, it's the same thing. You know, start doing it now. Okay, so, so that helps a lot with, um, you know, with uh, drilling into this energy um, and action element 
but there's more to to that. I think I think you're on the fourth step. There's more steps that the 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 uh, contracting party has to do here on your on your method. So what what are some more steps? Well, the next step actually ties into this very thing, okay. which is that that taking an action. Because the fifth step is what I call C and P, the letter C, the letter P, which stands for consistently and persistently. Consistently means every single day, and persistently means especially those days that you don't want to. So, you know, using that example of a diet, where every day contributes to leading you toward your goal, persistently means those days when you really, really want that McDonald's or you right. want that uh, chocolate cake or whatever is your is your uh, uh, trigger. Right. And that C&P also relates to this energy follows action idea that if you just continue to take those steps every single day, and again, they don't have to be huge steps, just little steps, you are continuing your forward momentum. Right. And when you continue your forward momentum, life continues to build on itself. Those little steps build on themselves like compound interest. And it's not that you're going to build one at a time. It becomes exponential, the uh, effect that you have on your own life and toward your goal. Oftentimes, the, the book My Life Contract is set up so that people can make goals for 90 days because I figure we can each do something for 90 days. Yeah. But what I find is that people, many people will achieve their goals a third, half, two-thirds of the way because they surprise themselves how powerful and effective this consistency is in their own life. So uh, C&P, consistency and persistency, are, is really key and a, a cornerstone to my whole uh, process here. Yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna add one little point here that that you yeah. know this is sort of a um, discussion between two people that have spent a lot of time with goal setting because um, you can't get anything done in life unless you have some clear ideas about about where you want to go. One of my things here that's very similar is that if you have a finite goal. And all these goals are finite. I, for example, uh, lose 10 pounds. Well, that's a finite goal. Well, if you make a millimeter of progress a day towards a finite goal, if, if you take any steps, you're eventually going to achieve the goal. And that, that's why, this, to me, this consistency and persistence is so important. Because if you just stay at it, there little little steps will eventually get you there. It doesn't have yeah. to be. I mean, you know, a lot of us want, and I hate to say this, but it's prevalent in our society where we want the quick fix. You know, we want. To, you know, you t you have an operation to lose fifty pounds instead of just living better, essentially, or you want to win the lottery instead of saving up another five dollars you know a, a week or something and and it's but it's so much more fulfilling I think at least this is my own opinion because I'm never gonna win the lottery to be honest with you and so I have to do it the old-fashioned way but but the but these little steps uh, towards the goal to me is if it if it's the closest thing I know to, that guarantees success. Okay, so I went on a little segue there, and you were going to talk about the last step, which which but, uh, go ahead, go ahead. But that's an important segue because okay. people do want this to become magic. Um, but Napoleon Hill said something very important in Think and Grow Rich. He said you can't get something for nothing. Yeah, and what he meant was, if you want something, you have to exchange energy, time, and effort in for it. It doesn't mean hard work or drudgery. It's, in fact, it's the opposite of that. It's targeted action specifically toward the thing that it is that you want. And in a way, uh, my experience actually has been that it's less work and more joy as I move toward things, and it actually feels better, but the key for me has always been consistency. When I'm consistent, it actually is less work because I'm not having to go back and make up for things or I'm, I'm not starting from zero again. I'm really building on things. So I, I'm glad you took that segue because it is really 
important. And it actually ties into the, the sixth and final part of our part of the contract, which I call Strive for Excellency. And um, I, I put that in there because I noticed over the years that there would be people who would just do the steps from a place of feeling like they just have to. Oh, I just have to do this and get it out of the way. But when I noticed that the people who um, did it with a sense of personal excellence, uh, not perfection, perfection is, is um, you know, a, a different energy, a different idea. Excellence just means the best I can do in the moment. Those people who just had this personal sense of excellence seemed to uh, move toward their goals so much more quickly than the other people. I realized that that was such a key, that the attitude that we entered into all of this with really is a determining factor in how fast or, or how completely we're going to experience our goal. So it's that idea of every day thinking, I don't have to do this. How can I make this into the best I can today? It yeah. doesn't have to be perfect. Right. It just has to be the best I can today. Right. And I, I think I think that's a stress reliever as well because a lot of folks are tied up into perfection and it happened it happens to me and and in my in my job uh where um as a, as a lawyer uh well I should say one of my jobs as a lawyer uh the the fact of the matter is is that perfection is not possible <laughs> and if you if you tie yourself up into perfection a lot doesn't get done uh, right. There, there is an adage in economics. Uh, it's called that. It's some kind of economic theory that a lot of, I think, uh, businesses are moving towards, which is that is it good enough to get the job done? But, but I, but I do think that this is tied into putting your heart into something, trying your best, but, 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 but knowing that you could still move forward if it's not perfect. This is this is yeah. Philip Camello. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Joe uh, Patinos, the author of My Life Contract, and uh, with uh, about his own original approach to keeping focused and getting results on your goals. And, and the, the contract that we've talked about so far, we have the, the duties of the actor, of the person, the individual, and now let's talk about the li life's responsibilities because this is a contract between us and life. So, what is life's role here? Yeah, life. Uh, if we have those six parts, life has two main parts, and they're really the two parts that we either consciously or subconsciously wish were ours: how and when. How the thing that it is that we want is going to come to us and exactly when it's going to come. That is something um, I, I tell people when they take my 14-week workshop, I, I tell them that we're going to run into how and when over and over, um, that that, are, that is going to be the thing that you're going to want your control over. And people look at me and say, no, no, I'm going to leave it up to life. But over and over, they'll say, well, I, I, I took these steps, but I don't know how it works, how it relates to the goal. I don't know how it's going to help me get what I want. We, we really get fixated on the word how. If we don't see how something is going to come or how something relates to what it is we want, then we don't want to do it. And yet, when we stay focused on our goals and life works with the how, it seems to, the more we take our hands off the how, the better the how actually becomes for us. Yeah, I, and, uh, yeah. yeah I, 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 love the, I, I love this because uh, I think a lot of the goal-setting um, self-help books do talk about setting a date, and, they all, and, and there's this concern about, well, where, where is all the money going to come from? Or yeah. where, or where is this new job, and where is this springing, this 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 new wellspring of spirituality or or love or emotion 
or or a care or compassion where's it going to come from where's my new mate going to come from a bar a, a dating service you know it's sort of and it it leads to doubt but i love the way you sort of take that stress away and you make that life's obligation <laughs> uh, and yeah. because i i think that 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 is uh there's there's more to this i mean i could i could raise the stakes here and I could and I could talk about well at, at the moment of creation, some uh, who whatever whoever or whatever happened, someone sit around. Well, how in the hell is the world ever going to be created? Uh, it happened, and so if that could happen, my feeling is that these little goals we're setting for ourselves could surely happen. That's sort of my my um, reasoning on that one. But yeah. but but in any event. Um, I really think that the that the how is is extremely important. And you also say something that I like about many cases we undersell ourselves. We we that 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 life really might have more higher expectations than we even dream of ourselves. Yes, that's actually one of my base beliefs: is that life always wants more for us than we want for ourselves. And I talk about that in the sense that we. Uh, a lot of times our biggest goal in life is just to be comfortable in the moment. Right. And so we want just enough money so that we feel like we can pay our bills. And we want just a good enough job so that we feel like we have insurance and, and can pay our mortgage and a good enough spouse and a good enough health. And I always say, but life wants more than that for you. Why would you want just barely enough where Whatever you think of as your highest and greatest goal, life sees it even better for you. Life always, always sees something better. When we let go of the how, life inevitably will take us on a journey that leads us to something that we look back and say, oh, wow, that was even better than I hoped for, or better than I imagined. But we have to let go of that control part. Um, And when we do, then that's when we're in for our great adventure. Yeah, I, I love I love this because a lot of us. I mean, part of it is, you know, we've been raised not not to be greedy or or not to be overly demanding, but when we're talking about a contract with life or the universe or the great spirit, whatever as you say, whatever we're calling it, uh, that life source is is most likely infinite, and so you might as well. Uh, you know, dream big, and not be limited. I think, to me, the the lesson I got here was: don't limit yourself, or don't limit your expectations. Don't don't limit your expectations, or to doubt that something better is possible. Be, right. Be, you know, and so I I thought that was I thought that was really good. So, so there's also I guess life has one other task here, which is the when you mentioned the when. Yes. Yeah. Well, when is when is a tricky one? Because uh, on the one hand, I do think that setting a time limit for for goals can be a good thing, not for life, but for us, because it keeps us moving forward, and it takes an idea out of some ambiguous someday and into uh, a place of tangibility. But uh, what I always say is, especially with something like like my book, My Life Contract, where I'm asking people to work in 90-day segments, I say, have a goal, a time goal, but just hold it loosely, because ultimately, we're not the deciders of the, of the when. The when for us is to keep us moving, to get us motivated, but ultimately, that is life's part of the contract. Yeah. And when we focus most, as much as we can on our part of the contract, the when really ends up being faster than we thought but it, it's like a what do they say about the um, a watched pot never boils right when we're really fixated on i need it by this date it, it's just like that pot that never boils it it somehow uh means that we're trying to control that part of the contract that's not ours to control yeah yeah well i again i mean my my uh sense of my sense of this one is that we, we are so used to dealing with calendars and clocks as if that's what time is. But I think, my, this is my own opinion here, but I think life operates on a different method of time. 
it's a different it's a different schedule and so even though I do think just like you it, it, it's helpful to set like a, a date like if you're gonna write a book and get the first draft done by X date that kind of stuff that kind of stuff is good but you really can't control the when because the when happens when the when happens and again I think this this relieves stress because as long as you're working on the other elements, uh, in particular the consistent and persistence side of this, you'll eventually get there. I mean, I know for, I mean, I set myself so many goals to finish my book, my own book, and it's, it's uh, so, so many different goals, and but basically it, it finished when it was time to finish it, and it, frankly it was, it's a big stress reliever because it all, everything does eventually happen in time. And so, so I think this, this is really a, um, a, a powerful and, and I have to say somewhat of a stress-free uh, goal-setting program. And so, and so, Joe, what kind of results have you seen for, in other people on, on how this has worked for them? Oh gosh. Well, um, I've seen people completely change careers. I've seen people uh, end up with really amazing health, finding um, spouses, um, creating money. Um, I, I've seen it, people work it for just about anything and everything. And also there are people who enter into this program who say, I don't really want things or effects. I really want qualities. Um, so I want to experience more peace in my life. I want, or I want to, you know, be a, a deeper person or, or experience life in a different way. Um, so I've seen it work in just about every form and possibility. Again, in large part because the process is really that stripped-down process that is underneath really any self-help program that you can find. Um, so you can use it for anything. I, I do tell a story in the book about a woman who um, wanted $25,000, and she kept getting um, stuck on the idea of how is this money going to come to me. She couldn't figure out in any way how this money was going to come to her. And she was a, 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 an older woman, and she got one paid, one check a month. Um, and she said there was absolutely no way. She wasn't going to take a second job. There was no way life could bring her $25,000. And there's a longer, the story's longer in the book, but the upshot of it is she stayed open. She did the work that we put in the program. And one day she ends up in this conversation with a, a friend of hers and, a, and another person who she doesn't know. The friend says, I have to leave. Why don't you two keep talking? So she continues talking to this friend, invites him up to her apartment for tea. He sees an old trunk that's in her apartment um, and says, oh, that's a beautiful trunk. And she said, that old thing, no one else in my family wants it, so I suck with it. And he says, well, I'm an interior designer, and that's a old trunk, and I know some clients who would love to have it. They'd give you $2,500 for it. Yeah. And she about dropped the tea <laughs> yeah. she was holding. Yeah. And that's when it dawned on her, oh, if I stay open and do the work, life will find me. I don't have to force it. I don't have to make the river happen. I don't even have to know the exact way how. I just have to do my part of it and stay open, and life will work with me and, and, and help me. And I love that story so much because it really does speak to that idea of letting go of that notion that if I don't see how, it's not going to happen, because that keeps us stuck again. Yeah, and yeah. It keeps us from not making a decision to move forward. Yeah, I th I think that that is a, that is a really good story, and you know I I like to think that these techniques are not just sort of happy talk, but that it is grounded into the world we live in, and I. Have you given any thought to why this technique works? Um, I have, but I don't know that there's an answer to that, hmm. truthfully. Yeah. Um, 
do you have any thoughts on that? Well, well, I I just think that it's all part of I I think I I just think it's all part of the world we live in. I mean, I just think that I mean, you know, without getting um without changing the topic here i mean i do think that we we live in a spiritual world and i do think that we are spirits in a spiritual world and i and i and i think this is all part of reality i think this is i think we need to get over our doubts and realize that we are part of a a whole and that when we do things like this when we make commitments to ourselves when we when we're honest with life and and the underlying reality that we do work with the world. I mean this is this is very similar to to synchronicity, I think. Because yeah. because just like I said before when you brought up the diet, I mean it was on my notes and and the and the story you just told. I mean um why why are these why does life answer the call? <laughs> you know, I mean it it's got to me it's got to be because because life was listening there there's there's some connection here so I, I really think it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing and frankly you don't necessarily have to believe in believe in some grand spiritual world in order to make this happen I just like to think I, I, I it feels better to me if I if I'm dealing with reality as opposed to just sort of grinding it out um, right so so and the, we, do, we do live in a creative universe I mean there's no doubt about that you can just look out your window and and see that there is a creative something happening all the time right um i tend to be more the how guy than the why guy um because i'm i you know my job i i find my purpose is really to help people and just get out of their own way so that they can just now start (laughs) yeah get back into the stream and off the bank of the river and um, so that they can move forward and, and flow. But it really does, I think, relate to that creative uh, power that seems to be, you know, underneath everything. Yeah, and, and and as I said, you don't you don't have to go there. In other words, you don't have to believe in a spiritual united universe in order to make this real. Um, because I think these techniques would work even in a mechanical in a mechanical world, but oh, to yeah. me, to me, it gives it gives it more power and more richness to imagine that life is is the source and that it is an infinite source and that we are uh, really aligning ourselves with the way the world works when we participate in creation. You know, and I don't. This, a lot of people talk about conscious co-creation, you know, making your world, uh, you know, defining your reality. I mean, all this stuff is is related, and it's one of the reasons why I th- I'm I like uh, your book, and I and I and I do this show is because at the end of the day, we still have to accomplish things in the real world. Uh, yeah. You know, we still have to. I mean, I think that, um, you know, Buddha is a great uh, example of peace and of connecting with the underlying reality. I mean, you have a quote here in your book that I open. I open up your book to. It says, uh, "The Buddha, the way you do anything is the way you do everything." I mean, he has a lot of wonderful um, sayings and thoughts. But, but you can't change the world by thought alone. You you have to take action, and I think that that yeah. is that is really a a um, a necessary truth. This is this is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Joe Fatinos, the author of My Life Contract, and we've been through his um, method for developing a contract with life parts that the contracting party, the individual, we have to do and parts that life has to do. And so this, this method uh, is obviously, um, it's built upon a lot of tradition, right, Joel? And I, I, say, I, I see that you are a student of Napoleon Hill, and I, I like you to, to maybe talk about him a little bit. The the point that I want to make about Napoleon Hill is that 
for some reason they called his or I don't know whether him his publisher or whoever they called his book his great book think and grow rich as if it was all about making m making money but it really it really isn't about making it, it, it's 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 in there but it's much bigger than that so what is it about Napoleon Hill that inspired you you, you know it's funny you're the first person I've I've talked to in the media that has really picked up on that um, Think and Grow Rich has uh, 13 steps and when I was in debt I began taking those 13 steps and they were very very helpful the umpteenth time that I read it, because I kept reading the book over and over and over again, I don't remember which time exactly it was, but a number of times after reading it, I discovered a secret about the book, which is that the stories of the people who get riches in the book are not really about people who set out to get riches. They're people who set out to live their passion. Yeah. And in the pursuit of their passion, they became wealthy, not just wealthy in money, but wealthy right. in other ways as well. Right. So I, I usually like to say think and grow rich is not so much about thinking and it's not so much about riches. It's really about growing into that great passionate life that you were meant to live. And when I discovered that, when, it, when that aha moment came for me, I thought, oh, set my sights toward becoming the person I want to be rather than the things I want to have. Right. And that was a big change. That's a be especially, you know, by then I had already gotten out of debt using principles like in my life contract and, and think and grow rich. But um but then it takes it to a whole different level and becoming somebody that I wanted to be um accelerated everything that I thought I ever wanted. Uh, in in such an amazing way, yeah. I mean, it, you know, as you were as you were talking there, I, I thought of to me one of the biggest tensions that we have in this field, and this is the self help or or uh, personal improvement field, and that is this this tension between following your passion and letting it go, and making more money. And, and that that's the big I mean it's, it's a tension I have in my own life it's it's a big tension how, how do you how do you deal with that what what what's your um, what's your sense of that the, well the, a lot of it is just reframing it because okay. in our country in our culture we like to monetize everything so right. for an example people will come to my workshop and I'll say what it is what is it that you want I want to be a number one best-selling author Okay, well, what part of that makes you excited? Why do, do you need to be number one best-selling? Well, I want to publish books. Okay, well, what do you want to write about? Oh, <laughs> and then, you know, we, the American or the, that kind of uh, the e egoic consumer part of us says, if I'm going to write a book, it has to be a number one bestseller. Yeah. And so when we take that part out and say, what is it actually that you have to say? Then they get very excited, and then it then it becomes more real for them, and that becomes the reward in itself is actually pursuing that passion of writing the book based on what it is that they actually have to say, and in that process, then they end up getting published or self-publishing, and and it and it sells, um, and and does what it's supposed to do. But it's switching and taking out what you call the stressors of if I do something, it has to be wildly successful to if I do something, it has to bring me joy. Yeah. And that's such a great way to go through life from joy to joy to joy. And uh, rather than, uh-oh, this one didn't sell as well as the last one. Something's wrong. Right. And um, yeah. so I, I like to turn things around and say, instead of what it has to be or, or some, you know, monetization, what would bring you joy? And that's a that's a beautiful question when we actually get into it. Yeah, no, I think I think I think that's really I think that's really good because it because those two things are not mutually exclusive. As you as you point out, it's just a different way to put the same point. Because yeah. if, if you start off by saying, yeah, I, I, I want to be the number one bestseller and I want to make $18 billion 
or whatever. Um, that's great, but you you start to find a way to get there, and the, your best shot at getting there is to follow your passion, or put differently, writing about something that you're passionate about. I mean, I, I shudder to think, um, you know, being forced to write something that I wasn't, pa- or write about something I wasn't passionate about. I mean, there's there's a lot of people who who begin as a technical writers, for example, yeah. um, and and they're not really passionate about that. I mean, my the best example, and I this is not a perfect one, but it's a decent one, is good old Albert Einstein, um, who worked in that patent office, and uh, that's where he, you know, but he he started writing equations down, and he, that's what he was passionate about. He wasn't really, I guess, he was probably a pretty good patent examiner. But, but the point is is that uh, f- making it come from inside yourself and following that is your, your chances of being successful are much better and yep. in, and in fact and if, but even if you're not financially successful, you still have done something that that gives you joy. So I think that's a really good example, Joel. I, th- I, I think that's great. The, the one the last thing I'm going to ask you to comment upon is you have this, uh, phrase in in your book it's that 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 intrigued me that maybe you could elaborate on it's it you you say to have more you have to become more what 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 does that mean can you just uh elaborate upon that a little bit to have more you have to become more this ties into that um phrase from napoleon hill that says you can't get something for nothing okay so Oftentimes what I've noticed is that people will show up, and I, I was this way myself, um, where they'll say, I want everything in my life to stay the same, except I want more money. Yeah. <laughs> I want financial freedom. Right. I want everything in my life to stay the same, except I want to find the love of my life. But that's not how anything in life works. Um, so if you want more in your life, then that will mean that you are going to have to become more. Um, if you want more money, who is the person that you need to be that more money would want to be, you know, if there yeah. was a mind of money, would want to be into in your life? Um, it, when we say, I want more health, but I'm not going to change who I am, you're not going to make more health. It's common sense, but it also is the, it gets right to the thing that people are the most resistant about, which is change, making a change in their own life. So when we talk about in order to have more, say, money, you have to be more aware of money consciousness. You have to be a bigger money mind, money consciousness. We can look at the studies of the people who had bad uh, credit, bad debt, win the lottery, and then studies show that those people will win millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars and within a very short period of time not only lose all of that money but be in worse debt than they were before and that's because they didn't change the circumstances began to change but they didn't change with the circumstances and they ended up losing the whole thing and and going right back to where they were yeah that that's a uh, those studies about lottery winners are really great indicators for us that says that means if you want something, begin that process of being a larger person, a larger opening for life to move through so that you can experience the more when it comes. Yeah, and I think that the the uh, the inspiration here or or the or the positive takeaway is that when you, do these things when you follow your passion when you take action to, uh, to accomplish your heart's goal when you're persistent consistent and when you continue striving for excellence it builds upon itself and and yeah. that's that's it, it, it's like you're not out there alone there is something in our universe that rewards action and and I uh, that's and so I think this is this is um, I think very very practical as I said at the top of the show and very much down to earth. Now, Joe, we've come to the end, and why don't you just tell folks um, how they get in touch with you and learn and learn a little bit more about you? 
Oh, great. Uh, people can always go to my website, which is joelfotinos.com, J-O-E-L-F-O-T-I-N-O-S.com. And uh, all of there's a contact page and a list of the books and links and some articles and, and all sorts of stuff on there. So that's a great way for them to get in touch. And, and if they're interested, if, if for anybody there who is listening, if you have a goal, if you have something that you want to move towards, uh, My Life Contract is available pretty much anywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other places. And, and uh, I, I try to make it so simple and easy that it really will inspire people to um, create their own success in a way that they turn around and say, wow, what was I waiting for? Yeah. Why was I making this so hard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, and and in, and in closing, I, I want to add again that this this book is a combination succinct tips and workbook. It's 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 all in one place, and it also contains some um, in in the reference section some other some other reading. But at the, but at the end of the day, as I said, uh, to get anywhere. You have to set that goal, and you got to take concrete steps to get there. It really helps if, on that way, you're fulfilling your passion. And this is—I think this is real for everyone, Joel. It's—it's it's not just—it's not just something um, for the, you know, the the meditators or the or the yoga masters or the professors. This is something each of us faces, different levels, and. And I, I think it always helps to have to have that clear goal. Define it for yourselves. Take concrete steps to get there. Uh, this is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Join me next week when I'll when I'll have Zohara Hieronymus, uh, the author of the book The Future of Human Experience. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, hosted by Philip Camella. To find out more about Philip and his book, The Collapse of Materialism, visit thecollapseofmaterialism.com.